Hello and welcome to the Riff Raff podcast, hosted by Amy Baker and Rosie Edwards. We set up the Riff Raff to champion the work of debut authors and to provide guidance and support for those dreaming of one day being published themselves. Today, we're talking to Adam Kay, author of This Is Going To Hurt, about the importance of a beginning, a middle and an end, how to write funny about unfunny topics, and why you should always ask yourself if you care about the people and world you've created. Hello, Adam, and welcome to the Riffraff podcast. Hello. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, for anyone who has unbelievably, inexplicably yet to read your book, This Is Going To Hurt, could you tell us what it's about? So, This Is Going To Hurt... Um, it's some diaries that I wrote whilst I was working as a junior doctor. And they're diaries I wrote at the time, and they're a mix of the funny and the sad and the mundane and the high octane and, crucially, the revolting, uh, <laughs> adding up to what's hopefully a fair reflection of what it means to be a junior doctor and the impact that the job has on you at home and at work. I would say that's a pretty accurate description. I mean, if I can't describe it, then... Uh... <laughs> We're all in trouble. <laughs> We're all buggered. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, um, and definitely the revolting. Definitely the revolting is, yeah. um, is has been a highlight. I've been shrieking on the bus. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> making people think, read things next to me so that they can they too can understand what a degloving is. Everyone well, Google it. As you two have just spent the last 10 minutes discussing degloving and nothing else. <laughs> oh, yeah. um, so, so it's, as you mentioned, it's written in a diary style based on your notes. Um, so did you... So did you just... Like you kind of in the in the intro, you kind of imply that you found you came across them one day, and then you decided that you should write from them. Were they how fully formed were those diaries, and how did it kind of like how did the idea come from that? I didn't so much come across them as uh, was reminded of them when uh, I was clearing out a big load of of paperwork. Um, there's a lot of paperwork when you're a doctor. And a lot of it involves writing writing stuff down. So you've got a record of it. So there's obviously writing your patient's notes. And um, you also write if something goes wrong. Um, it's what's called reflective practice. But the frustrated writer in me was um, just writing down any of the, the weird shit that happened to me um, on any given day. In retrospect, uh, though I didn't realise this at the time, what I was clearly doing was my own therapy. <laughs> uh, looking for the shards of light amongst the dark. But at the time, just felt like just what I did. I sort of jotted stories down to upset people at dinner parties with uh, <laughs> afterwards. And then, you know, I stopped being a doctor and I stopped keeping a diary. And then it just got sort of disappeared into the midst. And then a couple of years ago, when the junior doctors were coming under fire from the government and the government were saying that oh, doctors are being greedy, they want more money, this implying they were in it for the wrong reasons, which was heartbreaking to hear as someone who is now on the outside but knew really what it what it meant on the inside to be a doctor. Um, I thought if I could, you know, amplify the junior doctor voice, which is a quiet voice most of the time, then I, I could hopefully, um, you know, balance out some of the, the message that people were receiving. And so, yeah, I had these diaries already were they exactly as in the book no um the publishers were extremely keen unreasonably keen that i didn't go to prison and nor did they and <laughs> so <Boring>. they, <laughs> uh, so any identifying details changed so you know names dates 
places also i'd often take one uh, clinical one patient's clinical details and a second patient's personal details and sort of wedge them together as a as a cut and shut and uh so no one could read an entry and say oh my god that was me or even worse someone could say i think i know who that is so there was that also a lot of the entries were in sort of on post-it notes and in sort of bullet points and um they were also quite keen on full sentences at Picador <laughs> and so um so th- there was there was there was that also I um I kept personal details as as vague as they could be because uh it's not always my story to tell when there are you know other people involved uh so um and other than that the main thing I did um, was delete ones that were just boring because you know, a lot was did cesarean section number 312 and no one wants to uh, read that. And I, in a way I felt like I was at a sound desk. So I had all these different channels of like, you know, the you know funny, sad, revolting. And I wanted doctors on the front line to read the book, which has happily been the case from the messages I get. I wanted them to read the book and say, yep, that's what it's like to be a doctor. I wanted them to be able to show their friends and their family and say, this this is it this is um and so getting getting the the balance was was quite important and uh and the only other thing that changed is there's a lot of revolting stories that didn't go in because my editor told me they were tonally adrift <laughs> which is code for too disgusting well there's oh i mean this is a safe space and there is nothing that is too disgusting for us if you wanted to to share well actually um in the in the paperback there's there's quite a few um, more disgusting stories that I was able to add in at the end because uh, for the hardback I had no um, clout whatsoever. I was just some some bloke who'd written a diary, and then uh, but the hardback sold sold a bunch of copies. And so when the paperback came out, I was like, actually now. Uh, and also it was even better because my editor had gone on maternity leave. So. <laughs> sentences yeah just, just yeah, yeah. back to the, the post did you ever find that um having those notes to 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 write with were they ever a hindrance in terms of you know oh, i kind of want to address this or i want to sort of to- veer off a little bit here but i have to sort of stick to the chronology or did a note ever not make sense and then you couldn't interpret it um i think I allowed myself footnotes and I allowed myself um, prose sections at the start of... I broke it up. Each chapter is a, a job I worked as a doctor. And I start with, I don't know how long, a couple of thousand words of prose. So I could use that as an opportunity to frame us in time and what the job involves and where I was in my life. And, and then I could use footnotes um, to explain anything um, whether it's explaining medical terminology without which a story wouldn't make sense, um, or it would allow me to say, um, to say something sort of allied to that that wasn't, that I'd never thought of at the time or has, has occurred to me since. Um, so that allowed me through those two devices to keep it fairly close, um, to, to, to the, to the, to the text because I wanted it to be a fairly unvarnished version of of you know junior doctor life mm. and so stylistically it's it's actually quite an interesting book because you are using that kind of narrative non-fiction alongside diary entries as well it's quite a mishmash yes but it's 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 interesting that you can do that and people shouldn't maybe feel bound by well i'm writing a sort of diary style book you know there's other ways to explore 
and getting everything that you need. I. Uh, there wasn't a question in there. No, I'm there very wasn't. Aware but I've, but, uh, so but it's, just it's, more it's, of an it's, it's, led, it's led me to want to say something, <laughs> uh, which which I guess is is Good sort point. of a question. Yeah. Um, so when I got this uh, this book deal. Uh, and it took took a long time for me to say yes, really, in the scheme of things, because books are things that other people write, not me. Uh, then I I tried to read as much as I could about how to write a book. <laughs> and there's lots and lots of books about that. And there's, I'm going to say, about a quarter of the internet is about that. And so and every, no one agrees with each other. Everyone's got very different opinions about how to write a book but the only thing that everyone was agreed on is that great writers read and read and read it's all they do is they're constantly reading and i've read like four books (laughs) (laughs) and i'd I'd imagine a lot of those are medical textbooks oh yeah yeah two of those are medical textbooks and and the other two are squeaky bath books from when i was four um so so that so I thought, oh no, well this is all going to go wrong. And now I don't have time now, what with the deadline on this book, to go back and read all of fiction and non-fiction. <laughs> um, so I went into it slightly blind. And I had an idea for what the shape of the book would be, because if I just did the diary entries, it would it would probably make sense. But it would be, I can't retrofit an arc into it, mm. because it's just you know, shit that happened in my life. Um, but by, but so I just asked, could I start every, every chapter with, 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 with a bit of prose? And Francesca, my editor, was like, yeah, no, totally. That sounds good. And, and we did it and it, and it seemed to work. And, um, those bits changed a bit. And, um, uh, but yeah, I didn't know that there were any sort of rules about that because I, because I haven't read enough, but, I was found with my, my my day job is also writing, um, but more on the, the the telly side of things. And I've always thought that you don't ever come up with anything new and exciting and magical by looking at other things and trying to do a version of that. So I thought at least for the first draft, I'd have a go at, at this method. And if it worked, it worked. And if it didn't, uh, it didn't. So in answer to your question, yeah, I guess have have a go if it feels right for the project then i guess it's right hmm. and as as you said you are a writer in your in your normal life as well so and and you had these diary entries how did that translate into like applying yourself to get the book written how many drafts did you need like how how quickly did you just did you bash it out so um i'll, I'll tell you the answer which is which is I think probably sl- slightly upsetting for, for listeners to hear, but I would say that uh, most of it did already exist. So all I was doing was constructing it into a form, tarting them up, not going to prison and writing bits of <laughs> bits of prose. But it was, it was done in about two months for my, um, to get to the first draft and then, um, and then another five or six weeks and it was, uh, they press control P print. And oh we, my god, that's so, so it fast! Was, it so was. We're talking what three months? Three, like, four d- months? For, yeah, like door to door. Yeah, oh, here's my book. Because um, I didn't start till Christmas, and it was published in September in hardback, and you know uh, they need the time to to print it and then send it out to people. And oh, that was for the sorry, that was for the um, the, the bound 
proof, um, but it didn't really change since yeah. then. Wow, so that's a new record. Yeah, that's, that's a new, new riff record. Yeah. record. Congratulations. Congratulations. <laughs> really, really long. You've won a competition you didn't even know you were yes. competing in. But, I, I, but as I say, a lot of it was was already there. It wasn't, um, I didn't start with Once Upon a Time. Mm. And you mentioned that you were hesitant to write it. Yes. What What was behind that hesitancy? I think a couple of things. So I don't want to ruin the ending of the book, but it ends with me having a bad day at work and abandoning medicine. And then I just could not talk about it. I couldn't, which feels weird because it's been printed you know, God knows how many times. And I go around the country speaking to uh, lovely people like you and at live events and just talking about exactly why I left medicine. But at the time, I just couldn't talk about it. My parents didn't know why I'd left medicine until um, until they saw a copy of the book. My uh, husband didn't know why I'd left medicine until I was reading up from my diaries at an event in, in Edinburgh. Not hugely healthy, but, you know, that to give you an idea about how little I wanted to talk about it. And also, I wanted to, as soon as I left, I wanted to prove myself as as a comedy writer. I didn't want to be, oh, you know, that doctor guy. I wanted to be someone who could just have a, a normal list of credits and people go, oh, yeah, okay, good, comedy writer. And so people would come to me and with you know, wanting me to, like, write some medical show. And I, I was, I'd always keep some distance from that. That's not, not what I really wanted to be doing. Um, and I, and then when the doctors were coming under fire, the first thing I did was go up to Edinburgh. I had, I used to perform quite a bit and then I, then I stopped performing when the, when the writing took off. Went up to Edinburgh with a bunch of diary entries and and read them out as the as I say as the counterpoint to to, to the government. And uh, it used to be, I think, the case that you can go to the Edinburgh Festival and get discovered and and all that. And I think that stopped being the case a while ago. However, um, my friend Mark Watson, who's a, a writer and uh, and comedian. You know, you, you go and see each other's shows. It's like the AGM for comedy. You sort of see, see your mates. Uh, so and 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 Mark's mate and and came came along. Um, and his plus one, not because this was a, a work thing, but just because they were out drinking, was Francesca, who who is now my editor. And um, she um, you know, beat down my agent's door. At the time, I didn't have a, a literary agent, but um, had a TV agent. Um, and say, so, you know, we should we should sort out a meeting. We should sort out a meeting. And I was just like, nah, don't know, it involves, you know, it's a much bigger deal if this is a book than just, you know, reading out to 200 people at a time. But ultimately, uh, the thing that swung it is it can potentially reach a much bigger audience. And that's a good thing because it's a message I wanted to, to spread. So um, my TV agent introduced me uh, to a literary agent at the same agency. Um, I'm lucky to be at a great agency where they, they can do all those sorts of things. Um, and then went for a went for a meeting with Francesca, who said, "Yeah, this is totally a book. Let's do it." And then I sort of ummed and ahed and didn't send my proposal <laughs> and sort of sampled diary entries when I should have done. Um, so I was scared of failure. Mm, welcome know? to the club. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and I had a day job, and I was already writing, and I liked writing, but I was already doing it, so it, it's I didn't have I didn't have the 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 fire, mm. but um, but here we are. 
<laughs> it all worked out wonderfully well. Yeah. <laughs> and it's safe to say you haven't failed either. It's yeah. Complete smash it. Um, so with um, you use you use the book to obviously speak about kind of like how how hard doc- doctors work and how much like just just the NHS in general and you know kind of the just yeah how much that people are taken advantage good people are taken advantage of and kind of like the sort of like the call to being a doctor kind of being you know something that people have to do they're not in it for the money so you use the kind of the book to kind of talk about the sort of sort of things that aren't really funny aren't aren't funny but you use Mm. it to speak in a funny way how do you think humor and speaking about things that aren't funny kind of go hand in hand (laughs) so you have to laugh about things yeah sorry that was a roundabout question (laughs) um i suspect if i'd have attempted to achieve the message rather than by publishing funny diary entries by writing a 70,000-word polemical called Don't Doctors Have It Tough, (laughs) Um, we probably wouldn't be speaking, and I certainly wouldn't have come here by helicopter. Um, Yeah, that uh, seemed excessive, mate, to be honest. It's a first for the riffraff. I'm I'm just dead swanky, me. Um, the book, in a way, is a bit of a confidence trick. It says it's got splashed all over it. You know, this is funny, hilarious by you know whichever celebrity said it was you know hilarious on that edition. Because I wanted people to think they were getting a book about the NHS that is funny, and I think on a very basic level that's what it is. But it is lowercase p political, mm. and I didn't want to do a book that tells people how to think. No one wants to read that i'd rather just present some data so they can at the end of it just think for themselves potentially things they didn't realize about being a doctor because a lot of it's about the emotional toll it takes and that's generally not something you think of very much as a as a consumer of health as a, as a patient your doctor is being human you generally don't want to think of your doctor as being too human because human beings make mistakes and you don't want your doctor to do that but also human beings get sick and they get sad and um and doctors are very bad at remembering their their humans as well and caring for themselves and caring for each other and so that's one side of things i wanted to sort of sprinkle through it and Luckily, because I'd written about what had happened to me, you you know that that is in there as well as the humour. Also, the fact that doctors have it tough hours-wise, because you know, obviously we know that doctors work long hours, but there are things that people don't realise, like you know if it's five o'clock and you're meant to be going home and someone starts bleeding out, there's no slack in the system. There's no one to take over, so you stay an extra three hours to sort them out. And that's just part of the job. And that doesn't happen once a month or once a week. That's a routine thing. So a few times a week, you're you're randomly staying much later than you should be, which means you're always texting someone cancelling drinks. And if one of your mates texts you three times in a row cancelling on the, on the day, you stop inviting them. It's just, you know, you think, oh, fuck them. They don't want to hang out with me. And so that your social circle contracts and your relationships fail because you shuffle from hospital to hospital. So once a year, I talk about this in the book a bit, um, you're assigned to another hospital, which is a, a, a great idea in theory, because it means you get to work in some big hospitals, some small ones, some of the experts in this and that. Um, but 
the, you're assigned randomly across quite a big area. So, for example, one of the areas is called Scotland. And it's quite <laughs> tricky to, you know, find yourself a flat that's handy for Scotland. So you say to your other half, unless you exist in a vacuum, you know, do you mind if if we move 200 miles away? And the answer is generally, of course I mind. Yes. That's, that's mental. Um, and, or they don't mind the first time and then they, they, they do mind the, you know, the next time and so that's the sort of stuff I wanted to 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 mention and the fact that you know you'll routinely you'll miss your own 30th birthday and I, I know someone who went to um went to do a clinic dressed in her full wedding hair and makeup because that was the only way she'd be able to make her own wedding in the afternoon okay. um looking back through the diaries of the years and years the many Decembers I worked as a doctor I was only able to spend one Christmas with my family so it wasn't all bad. <laughs> it has definitely given me a new appreciation for my mates that are doctors, that I've always kind of just been like, oh, they're useless. But it has made me go, ah, oh, maybe I'm the dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> maybe so. Yeah. And that, but, it, but you are not, because they will never talk about that, because we're trained not to talk about our day at work. How was your day? Fine. Mm. So they're not going to say, oh, I'm really sorry about that, but, you know, someone started fitting and you know had to intubate them and take them to theatre or whatever it is yeah. you know because you're programmed to be just like yep yep fine yeah mm, yeah God. sorry about that blimey no wonder you like talking about it for the first time was kind of like quite traumatic having to relive all those kind of moments and stuff like that must well, have been. in fact i decided to go to go to the edinburgh fringe with it um as I said, I had, a, I had performed it before and I knew I had a bit of a, an audience and they would come. And um, I did a couple of previews in, in, in London that um, the various people I trust came to for a bit of feedback. And I couldn't bring myself to talk about my, my bad day at work. So I sort of fudged it at the end. And, they, and basically, after all the previews, um, the feedback I got was, yeah, it doesn't, doesn't have an ending. You don't really say why you left and so yeah that was my subconscious not really wanting to (laughs) talk about it but that's the most important part of the book that's Mm. what it's about Mm. and as Amy said it's that that real contrast between the very funny and the you know not so very funny and Mm. it you know they work very well in tandem together but that's what being a doctor is you can literally being in a clinic and you're seeing one person and you're thinking that is so funny that is going to be my dinner party anecdote for the next year <laughs> and then the next patient you know you can't pick up a fetal heartbeat and you explain to them they've lost their child and then that's what the the job is all human life is there mm. indeed and our next question is really about writing comedy Mm-hmm. But now I've reread it through. Basically, it boils down to how do you write comedy? <laughs> <laughs> well, like, just... how do you write really funny comedy? Well, that's, uh, what I was, what, what I kind of think I meant with the question. Well, I know it was. We both had mm. this question. Yeah. Well, I suppose like because you know, like some some of the some of the entries will be kind of like one liners, and some of them will be longer things that kind of culminate in a in a big punchline, or there'll be you know, it's kind of. Or they'll just, it'll just be laugh a line, you know? Uh-huh. And, it's, and it's kind of, um, as someone who writes comedy, you know, like, were you constantly thinking, I'm, how do I, like, I know obviously on the more serious chapters, serious entries you weren't, but on those kind of things, were you building towards a punchline or was that something that you were consciously thinking of as a comedy writer? 
Tell me your secrets. What are the secrets? <laughs> I, one of my fears, sort of going back through the diaries and reading back through it, it's like you know, reading old embarrassing stuff. It's like like naked baby fo- naked baby photos, isn't it? You're aware that they exist of you, but all things being equal, no one else has to see them. And I was just thinking, oh no, I'm just like a low rent David Sedaris. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, do they have a punchline? Yeah. I've, Every story has to have a beginning and a middle and an end. I think that's basically it, isn't it? And um, it doesn't matter if it's two sentences or you know or a whole three hundred pager. It needs to that. That's one of the basic rules. Um, I mean, one of your listeners, or probably you, will uh, will, will know exactly who this was. But um, and this, I think this was about writing a novel rather than writing comedy. But someone said that there are there are three rules to to, to writing a, a novel unfortunately no one knows what they are <laughs> I think that, that that very much applies to comedy so people people will suggest you know what these what these oh no you know there's this rule of comedy the rule of threes or this um basically no no some conventions but there's you, do, you don't have to stick with them um in in writing for for telly I've learnt a lot from uh, my other half, who also works in in telly, uh, much more successfully than uh, than me. We should he's have a, had him on. She should have done, but he's not. He's not written a he's book yet, has he? Oh, yet. Um, <laughs> he likes to outdo me. Well so yeah, um, he's a he's a a producer and um, gets sent huge amounts of stuff. And what what he asks of a comedy when he reads when he knows after the first couple of pages, he asks the question, "Do I care?" Mm. And because it's not, it's not about writing a new sitcom. Isn't about finding a new situation. Uh, it's not like oh, I've cracked it. It's going to be in an aquarium or on the moon or something. That that that's not what you're looking for. Um, Forty Towers isn't a show about a hotel. It's a show about an angry man, and we don't care about situations so much as we care about characters. So, the comedy is predominantly the characters. And then we put them in a situation and then they say jokes that are applicable only to that character and only to that situation. So it frustrates me when I hear comedy writers, you know, when a joke gets cut or a scene gets cut or whatever, say, oh, I'll use that for something else. You can't use it for something mm-hmm. else. So, you know, if, you're, if you've got sort of multi-purpose jokes that can work for any character in any situation, they're, prob- they're probably not good enough. Um, so you need to care. Hopefully, because I'm the only character in the book, uh, you find out quite a lot about me um, and that, you, you know, whether you care or not, you don't have to like someone to to care. You um, come across as likeable. Fear not. That's, an, that's another one of the tricks in the book. Uh, um, and I'm telling a big story across which I flag up at the start that I, I leave medicine and we sort of I guess you're wondering how that's going to happen I tell lots of um other little stories we find out that some bits I'm happy to say about my relationship I talk about um one friend in particular and uh, another guy who was having some sort of mental health issues and I ended up sort of being a sort of some kind of counsellor and so but I guess in in your life you do have like long arcs like that but also each individual diary entry has to work in and of itself which means that they have a you know beginning and a middle 
and an end. So I, I haven't answered your question at all, but no, I talked for ages. I know, but that's it. <laughs> that's almost <laughs> the same. <laughs> but like that's, that's, I mean, it's, 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 a, it's a pretty basic thing that kind of goes without saying, really, but uh, like the, having the beginning, middle and end. But I think it's something that we all, like, I, I, that, that's something that I've written down. I've noted it down here. <laughs> Remember that, Amy. <laughs> Remember, and, and do I care? That's what. That's, yeah. that, that's the big one. Yeah, that's, yeah. That, yeah. that's the big one. And I, I suspect it, it carries whether you're writing a, you know, a, a TV program or a book or a yeah. or a play or a, a rap. I mean, whatever you know, what, whatever for, is for, that form it is. If you, it is. Yeah. You heard it here first, guys. <laughs> um, but and it's an interesting uh, scenario with your book, especially because you found the notes which were written about a previous time. Yeah. Then you wrote it up. Then it got published, and now you're talking about a book, your book retrospectively. Yes. About a time that you wrote. Yeah, I don't know what tense to use no, at any no. time. Um, how much of, and people are reading it, you know, you say, you know, I've put myself into the book and people are going to be reading it thinking this is who you are. How much do you feel a sort of affinity with the Adam K in the book as opposed to the Adam K that's sitting here? Um, I think I'm, I'm nicer in the book. I sort of, um, I snap less than I do in in real life. I think I I tried to. I think a lot of the time when I I didn't write down times where when I was a dick. <laughs> <laughs> that could be another um, addend, like addendum. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I think we're. Um, um, I don't know. People. It's weird. So I I do various events. So I like I'll I'll go on a stage and read out from the book, and afterwards I'll sign people's copies if they want or whatever. Um, and people do think that they they know me, or they start talking to me like we're sort of we're chums, which is quite which is quite weird because you know I don't actually know a huge <laughs> number of people. And <laughs> um, but I guess I don't know. Also, it was a long time ago, so um, you know we all we all learn at how to be a better human, probably kinder than I was then in a lot of ways. Although maybe I missed out, as I say, the bits where I was, <laughs> where I was, where I was mean. There's, yeah, I think there's, yeah, I was going to say something and I'm not going to because it's uh, embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. And, and in terms of like how you have, like what, how Rosie was saying, all the different ways that you've wrote this, written this, wrote this, Jimmy. We're having um, tense problems. <laughs> what's going on? But now you're going to be writing this as a, or you are currently writing this as a sitcom or a, or a six part series. It's not necessarily a sitcom from the look on your face. It's a, I mean, it's a, it's a comedy drama. A comedy drama. It's okay, a dramedy. Okay. As dramedy. As they say, I believe it's eight parts, but eight maybe, parts, but maybe they've decommissioned two whilst we've, <laughs> whilst we've been chatting. Um, I'm not very good with numbers. So, no. so that is going to be a lot more fictionalised okay. than um, than the book was because the book just follows one person um, a drama of, of any description or a comedy has to be a world and so and I've made the decision to flesh out other people by applying artistic licence because it's it's unfair um, to make the bit players in my life actual people on television that's yeah. not they, they didn't consent to meeting me <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> um, so, um, so that is that is really fun. Yeah, yeah, it's a how's, big, big challenge. How's it going? Like, when can we expect it on our screens? Oh, I don't really know. Um, it's at 
script stage rather than casting director and director and looking for locations okay. stage. So I dare say it'll be a year-ish before we shoot it. Who okay. knows? And then, um, and then I don't know what the gestation period is uh, before they they show it on telly. But it's it's not going to be imminent mm-hmm. because I'm still typing. <laughs> well, we're available for casting. If that's sure, great. <laughs> yeah, I'll be cadaver number one. You can yeah. be cadaver number two. I think you might cool. be overestimating the amount of clout I have in this process. <laughs> Damn it! And our acting ability as well. <laughs> but on that leads me nicely into my next question, which is that there is a huge appetite for medical dramas, for medical comedies even i'm thinking of like green wing things like yep, that scrubs. um yeah and then it's come into the literature world with things like obviously obviously your book um mainly my book mainly <laughs> your book um no other books in fact um henry marsh's do not do no harm yeah, which brilliant. was absolutely fantastic and there's been a slew of even and then there's the welcome prize which is for medlit as i yep. termed it has somebody already coined that probably no, but well. you can have it both thanks mate um <laughs> What is it, do you think? Why do we have such a big appetite for watching and reading about medicine and illness and trauma? Um, yeah, there is a lot of it, isn't there? There's a lot of it about, as GPs say. Um, but there's also a lot of crime, you know. Mm. We're obsessed with with crime. There's probably more crime on telly. There's certainly more crime in, in Waterstones. Um, medicine, crime... Sex. We we what we we you know we interested in in sex and sort of in whatever we form like that, that is. Yeah, we um, do like that. <laughs> in, in you know whatever art form wants to portray it. It's just one of medicine is just one of these things mm. which we all seem to have a, a, a like a brainstem interest in, don't mm. we? Um, we all get ill. I'm afraid we all die. Everyone what? knew. Oh yeah, sorry about that. That's the other thing. Santa I at the, at the end of my, uh, oh my God. yeah, we all, we all die. Um, and everyone, you know, everyone we love dies, and this, you know, this room won't exist. And you know, sort of, we we're, we're aware of this, even though we don't always think about it. And everyone, you know, we know will get sick, and we, you know, we all have to go to hospitals and see the GP, and so we want to know a little bit about. How it works, I think, and particularly in this country, the NHS is, you know, our, our greatest national institution. Happy birthday! And um, I think we're very rightly proud of it. And so we watch a lot of these sort of observational documentaries because they 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 lift the the hood a bit. Um, so I don't quite know what it is, but it certainly is a very big subgenre in in books right now, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Certainly by the fucking number I get sent by publishers asking for a quote. <laughs> Have you read anything good? He said he's read four books. That's <laughs> <laughs> I know that was before. No, I've read Well, I, I certainly found as someone who's had some dealings with hospitals um, that there, it's lovely to read something that is pitched at a level that I felt I could really relate to because it's not something that I... For all our listeners, I've had some transplants and it's not something that I talk a lot about in my everyday life. And I think, you know, it's partly because it's just how do you how do you share that experience with someone who's not had that experience? And so I think there's I think there's an audience out there as well who have been seriously ill and who are going to read it and find a home in it, I think. Oh, wow. Yeah. I hadn't 
hadn't really thought of that. But yeah, if you've been in hospital for a significant length of time, you know, you meet a lot of doctors, nurses, physios, pharmacists, midwives, and you don't necessarily you know know much about their lives when they're not you know on duty doing their thing um so yeah maybe it's maybe a lot of people have written to it's very easy to write to an author now because i imagine 50 years ago it'd be very difficult and involved sort of writing to the publisher and whatever now you can sort of be messaged on twitter and a facebook page and i can be emailed or things through the website whatever so i get i get a lot of messages which are generally nice i mean the odd bit of hate but generally <laughs> generally nice we need to stop doing that they're <laughs> <laughs> bumbled i'm just jealous and of the helicopter yeah. <laughs> when uh and it's a lot of it is stuff that i was very pleased to receive from doctors saying oh yeah you're you're thanks for sharing our side of the story um but one of the things even though i don't think this makes up a huge amount of the book one of the things that is overrepresented, I think, in the letters I get, letters for them, the, the messages I get, um, is people saying, "I don't think I've, I've treated my, I've treated doctors and nurses and whatever well enough." You know, when I've been in hospital and I was stressed and I was when I was sick and yeah. I was, or I was sad or it was, and so people saying, "I've gone back to." labor or to drop off a, a crate of wine i've been to way and eat if they wanted some donuts or next time i'm definitely you know writing a note or um and that's not a that's not a side effect that i i saw so um yeah i think um i don't the the, the book is set on labor ward for the most part i worked in obstetrics and gynecology brats and twats <laughs> parts and labor um, um and i wouldn't recommend it uh particularly as an antenatal uh, reading, uh, but um, uh, but yeah, I think I think patients have potentially. To, but we're all patients, aren't we? <laughs> but that's actually that's actually what I took. Like, I re- obviously, apart from laughing a lot, I really took that kind of. I have maybe when I've been frustrated at kind of how the NHS works, and someone te- and, a, and a doctor or nurse will tell me something, I'll be like, I'll just be frustrated, and I won't mm. think they're probably frustrated at the same system. Like you know, like it's it yeah. is. I can so that, a lot of the failings are systemic on. rather than um, rather than individual. Um, like there was one antenatal clinic I did, which routinely ran three hours late. It was an afternoon clinic. It was the traditional mismatch of number of staff and number of patients, and so quite reasonably at seven o'clock patients saying oh i've been waiting here for two and a half hours and this problem with the car and the meter and my child care and whatever not once in the 52 times i did that weekly clinic in a year did a patient say oh you probably don't want to be here either because you know you get to you're worried about yourself it's not quite selfishness but it's you know it's just thinking about yourself yeah. and um and it also ties in with the idea of not thinking of the doctor as too human like like mm. yeah, yeah just that yeah. yeah it's a good takeaway it's a very good takeaway uh, yeah and so um are you do you think like obviously do you well, do you think you'll write any more books is this has this kind of like wet your appetite for literature um <laughs> i think it has cool. i think it has um uh, I am writing slash meant to be writing 
writing. We'll say writing in case <laughs> Picador are listening. Um, <clears throat> another uh, non-fiction medical book. Amazing. Uh, on you know, fairly similar lines, sort of it takes a different approach, but it's, you know, anecdote-based look at health and medicine. Uh, so I've got that at the moment, and then... Um, who knows? I may go into erotic literature. Oh, or we something. can only I, hope. I, I, yeah, but I do. I, I enjoy. I enjoy the form, and now I do feel like uh, I'm a writer. I've got some evidence that I'm a writer because people invite me on podcasts about writing. <laughs> so, what's harder, being a doctor or being a writer? Uh, <laughs> I think we know the answer. Being well, a doctor is. <laughs> I don't know, but the stakes will never be as high as being a being a doctor. Um, I've done various jobs over the years and there are times where I've worked very, very hard and I don't know whether some of those hard days have been harder than easier days as a as a doctor, but I mean the stakes are just nothing. So, you know, we all have bad days at work and well, you know, no one listens to the podcast. Bad. The microphone didn't work. None of this was recorded. Bad. But does it matter? Eh, in the scheme of things, not at all. So, I, medicine's a, a, a tough gig. And people don't often realise how tough it is when they're going into it. I didn't. And people don't often realise how difficult it can be for the doctor who's looking after them. And, I mean, I've made this book sound very depressing. <laughs> did have, I promise it had some jokes in it somewhere. <laughs> no, we can definitely attest to that. I think we were both laughing out loud at very inappropriate places and times. Yeah. So I made someone next to me on the bus read it out because I, I just I needed them to know how fun they were. Well, they were looking at me thinking what was so funny and so I showed them and they laughed too. <laughs> Adam Kay spreading the joy. Thank you so much for joining us on the record. Thank you both for having me. The Riff Raff Podcast is hosted by co-founders Amy Baker and Rosie Edwards. Come say hey at the-riffraff.com. Um, Rosie and I just wanted to thank you all so much for listening. We're so incredibly grateful. So please do let us know what you think, what you'd like more of, and any debut authors you'd like to hear from. Also, it would be really lovely if you could subscribe and give us a review so we can spread the word and give these marvellous debut authors the exposure they deserve. Thank you.